Are you ready to learn more about promoting play, defending childhood, empowering caregivers? Save 10% on professional development at explorationsearlylearning.com and support the show with the coupon code OOL. Click the link in the show notes to browse upcoming trainings. Hi, Candice. I am. Ready to step out of line again? I am. All right. Let's continue our conversation on de-schooling. You've got a good quote to share with us, right? We found a good quote on the Alliance for Self-Directed Education site, selfdirected.org. Um, Akila Richards defines de-schooling as shedding the programming and habits that resulted from other people's agency over our time, body, thoughts, and actions. That's from her book, Raising Free People. Oh, okay. So let's talk about this a little bit. So de-schooling, I think in our last episode, we talked a little bit about, or one of our recent episodes, we talked about the Wikipedia version of the definition of de-schooling, and it seemed to focus a little bit more on the student. And the way that this one is phrased, can't help but think about how much it's about the adults and the people who have really been through the school system. I mean, I think of myself in, um, Ooh, the shedding the programming and habits that resulted from other people's agency over our time, body, thoughts, and actions. So I went to Catholic grade school, preschool through eighth grade, and then public high school, and then a Jesuit college. And I just like, yeah, all of all of how much time do we spend in school? And all of that is about somebody else telling us literally where to put our bodies, what to think about and when, where to spend our time, how much time we have for everything in our day, right? Like even eating um, and how much shedding I have to do around that. And it's really all programming and habits based on how other people view you. And based on pleasing other people and Mm -hmm. how that now that we're not in school, how is that still affecting our lives? Mm. Yeah, that's huge. Well, and even as, okay, so Candace and I, uh, in 2020 opened a learning center, a facility that, um, helps support families who are on their own journeys for, self-directed education. Uh, the word journey has become like such a ubiquitous word that we all use, but there's our experiences with self-directed education. And so, um, in that process, we are our, our own bosses completely for the first time ever in our experience as educators. Um, my, my, uh, career in education started in 2003. So it's now 2021. That's a lot of years of, again, even with, in, as an educator in a school system, somebody's telling you where to be, when to be there, what to be talking about, what to be teaching, what needs to be taught within that subject. Um, I mean, it goes as far as some, some programs have like a canned curriculum that literally tells you exactly what to say um, at any moment in the lesson. 
So not only de-schooling from our own school experiences as students, but de-schooling as our experience from education as educators. Yeah. And it seems like even like being our own bosses, I'm constantly, because I'm not receiving like, uh, I'm not receiving a list of things to do and how to do them. I'm just now I'm constantly like projecting what I think other people want me to do. <laughs> they actually told me that. So even like, uh, I've had this conversation before about like cleaning and I'm like, I think everybody else wants this place clean. So I'm- <laughs> oh my gosh. It's so true. And that's something that comes up sometimes like on tours and, Um, when, when new adults enter our space, I remember we had a, um, we gave a tour of a parent who is used to a Montessori based system and we are a play-based center and a play-based program. And we are messy, (laughs) messy, messy, because we also realize it's not about our control as the adults in this space and what we want it to be, but, um, kids have a much different set of criteria for what they need during the day. And sometimes that is a need for them to create a really big mess. But I remember this Montessori, uh, based parent being like, but why is it so messy (laughs) as they walk through our space? And that's such a good example of like, that's an adult construct that kids need to be clean and neat and put something away, like put this away before you moved on to your next activity. But like, what if they're not done there yet? And they just want to come back to it. And, uh, yeah, all these little ways that we're de-schooling as the educators in the space, when nobody's telling you what learning objective to focus on, or when lunch happens, we have a very free routine, uh, you know, our day doesn't have a strict routine to it. And, uh, many of our kids, eat throughout the day because you can in our center in our space um and that's been a huge thing too like sometimes I forget to eat because it's we don't have an official lunch time and so relearning all of this stuff that I had been so programmed to do I ate when somebody else told me it was time to eat for not only most of my adult life but my childhood too so yeah, I mean, we're just constantly de-schooling from the need to receive feedback on who we are and what we're doing, and also the need to give feedback on what the children are doing, and um, kind of that idea of like growth mindset and needing to always be improving. Oh gosh, you know my feelings <laughs> on growth mindset. I, I. Um... I think the idea of growth is really great. I think we can think a lot about how we can improve ourselves. I do think that in general, our society has taken this like really crazy approach to everything needs to be founded in a growth mindset. How can we constantly do better? How can we constantly reevaluate things to make it, make sure it's the best, make sure it's the best for right now, the most, we're getting the most out of it. Um, and that to me is like the sum of growth mindset, right? Like some people talk about the idea of, um, sitting down with your family at the end of the day, or sitting down with your school group at the end of the day and talking about the rose, the bud and the thorn of the day or of that project or of that moment, like 
part of what I hate about that is that first of all, like you have to have something great that happened. That's the rose, right? The flower part. Um, the bud is like what's growing, what's coming next out of it. I think I don't really know. Cause I don't do this myself. And then the thorn is like, what's, what needs to be changed or something that's painful and needs to be changed or that's, that's a point of pain. And like, so then it just leaves everybody running around the world thinking like, how can everything be better and why not just ever let it be just as is. And I think you're right. We have this like feeling coming out of an education system that we constantly have to be giving kids feedback in order for them to do better and grow more and be the best version of themselves. And that feedback, they just don't need it. And what, I mean, what does it really do? I was thinking about how I was giving feedback to a learner on how she was writing her letters backwards. I'm like, first of all, it's perfectly developmentally appropriate for her age. And what did that really do? I mean, did that really help her at all? I feel like it just kind of hindered her process and learning. And so you're talking like writing letters like in reverse. Yes, in reverse. Like, so like a mirror image of writing. Mm -hmm. So talk actually, like, let's get into the literacy specialist brain of yours Mm -hmm. and talk about that. Like, why is that developmentally appropriate when like, what did your feedback look like and why does she not need your, why did that learner not need your feedback on that? Um, the situation she, she brought me something she wrote and she was like, look, and she was really excited about it. And I was like, that's great, but your E is backwards. (laughs) (laughs) Just so mean. Just so mean. And, um, yeah, so reversals are, developmentally appropriate up until I believe the age eight and it makes sense I mean we don't expect a child to memorize letters perfectly until age eight and writing you know and she just giving her that feedback I felt like like right after I said it I was like oh that's that was just like a teacher you know, just like one of those teacher things, like I have to give this feedback because it has to be perfect. And um, yeah, I don't think that it helped her at all. I think that you know, now I notice she doesn't write her letters backwards anymore, but it's been a full year. <laughs> well, and what, what's mean about it? Like, why do you say that's so mean? Because well, to most people that probably aren't even thinking that that is mean. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I think it was the situation, right? She didn't ask for my feedback. I don't want feedback from people. Like if I'm showing them something for a different reason and they're critiquing something that I did, like, I don't want that. So why would a child want that? And she was really excited. She was really excited to show me what she wrote. And then I put her down. (laughs) (laughs) So even though that you weren't trying to put the child down by commenting on something that they did that you were saying wasn't you didn't say that's not okay. You didn't say this is wrong, but you just highlighted something that, that wasn't right. Quote unquote, right? Like it wasn't the right way to do it. So you maybe highlighted something that could be a source of insecurity or, so that's why you're saying it was mean. Yeah. You didn't, you didn't grade the assignment, right? (laughs) (laughs) You didn't go as far to be like, okay, we're now grading again and you got a B. (laughs) 
Um, but that, and I think that shows also, um, and we'll share lots of these moments that come up for us, hopefully throughout this podcast, because, um, it's, uh, it is a, it is a process that we're going to be going through as we de-school these next few years into, um, I mean, always. Right. But right now, especially as we're still like moving away and out of the systems that we've been a part of and into a more free and accepting society, like, okay, so, uh, you, you pointed out that she did something not quite right. And, and that feels mean because it, it could be now a highlight of like some sort of like, I don't know, lack of, or, um, source of not being perfect. And it, it highlights again, like this external system of judgment rather than like an internal, the student was feeling really good and moved on. Um, I know like that's been a big thing for me. I was an English teacher for many years. And so thinking about letting go of some of the rules around grammar. And um, I recently read something about like how it's basically a a form of white supremacist thinking, unless you are, um, unless there, the um, communication is impeded by a grammatical error, like, you know, the panda eats shoots and leaves kind of thing. Like without the commas, it's a very different statement. And that actually does impede the communication. Like, is the panda bear going to, um, shoot you (laughs) or are they eating shoots and leaves? Right. Like that's actually like a comma is, is going to change the meaning of that sentence. But in general, like did the backwards E impede the communication of what that person had written down? Yeah. No. So, oh, but what I was starting to say there was actually more about the fact that it surprises us as the adults in the room and as the people who have chosen to commit ourselves to a different kind of learning and a different kind of support for students. Um, Sometimes it comes out of our mouths. And as you're saying it, you're like, you want to like, shove the words back into your mouth. Cause you know, like, that's not what that learner needed to hear, but also, um, we're in an environment where we are able to acknowledge some of this stuff with our, our students and learners around us and say like, Oh, that was really crappy of me to point that out to you. I think it's beautiful. Even with your backwards E it's probably like something you, you said next, I'm sure. Yes. And I, I also think there's something about the situation too right so it was at the beginning of the school year we didn't have a close relationship yet and our first school year yes okay school year and I think you know now if I was to sit down with her and just you know we have a trusting relationship and she knows that you know I have her best interest in mind so I think a big thing with this de-schooling process also is knowing the right timing for feedback if we are giving feedback. Well, and that comes down to like what's really at the heart of what we're doing and why we're doing it. It's relationships, right? Like that's a relationship-based piece of information that you want to give and not, um, you're not going around reading, you know, 25 kids who just wrote the same thing and you're not evaluating their handwriting, you have a relationship with that student. And at the time you didn't, and at the time you were brand new, you're, you were very much freshly de-schooling coming out of like 
only two months out of your school system job, conventional school system, and learning how to support learners in a new way. And that's really, really hard. And that's why we're doing this and talking about this because you can do it. You can do it within a school system. You can do it in a homeschool situation. You can do it in an unschool situation. It takes work for those of us who have come through the school system. And I think you referenced Malika Diggs is a person that we have found a lot of um, expert advice and wisdom come from. And you mentioned something to me recently about Malika Diggs really talking about how unschooling or de-schooling is a process that is consistent and ongoing. Yeah, because our whole society has, um, basically our whole society has been through school and is built on the system. So we are always, even if, and even if your child, you have a child who's never been to school, they're still participating in society and still going through that process of de-schooling. And so when can we expect to be out of this de-schooling process? (laughs) Never. (laughs) Never, because our society is so based on school and um, schoolish ways and the, uh, yeah, like what comes out of school is that we learn how to behave in society as society wants us to behave, right? So when you throw away school, you throw away some of those societal norms and really challenge that by throwing away societal norms, you're really challenging society. And I think we have seen that. And um, while we feel both very radical in the sense of like how we compare to some of our peers in the conventional school system, we also feel very um, like, green at this unschooling stuff. And so it's like, we're in this very funny place. And that's where, um, I think we decided to, to share our voices and share our experience because it's really, really tricky. And there, there's this huge wide spectrum right now of schoolish ways and, um, finding the right path to both honor kids. And by honoring kids, we want to make sure that they feel educated and that they feel like they're able to be engaged in active literate participants of society, we also want them to feel like they're able to challenge society a little bit in order to um, create the community that best serves all, all beings, right? Yes. Is that too lofty of a goal? <laughs> we'll get there. Ah, all right. So, um, Akila Richards, Malika Diggs are both people we've referenced in this episode. We will make sure that we've got links to their work because they are two, um, individuals that we really have found just hugely impactful to our, um, process of stepping out of line and stepping away from a conventional school system to create a better opportunity for the children in our communities. And we'll continue this conversation of de-schooling and what it can look like next time on Out of Line. Thank you. Bye. (laughs) 
It's time to become a member of Playvolution HQ and Exploration's Early Learning. There's a free option and three paid patron-level options. All come with free stuff and ongoing automatic training and merch discounts. For as little as a dollar a month, you can become a patron. That supports our work, and you get premium stuff like early access to fresh podcast episodes. Go to explorationsearlylearning.com slash membership or click the link in this episode's description to learn more. All the cool listeners are doing it. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.